And what's going on, everybody? Welcome on in to the Check Your Brain podcast. Here, wherever you are listening to this, whether it's on Patreon at patreon.com slash Tony Mazur, T-O-N-Y-M-A-Z-U-R, or YouTube for free, which I'm going to put this one out uh, for free, and on the podcast platforms, wherever you get your podcast. My name is Tony Mazur, and uh, thank you for listening today. As you heard there with that musical interlude, the Streets of Philadelphia, the Bruce Springsteen song from Goodness gracious, that was 30 years ago that movie came out. And uh, let me take a sip of my mm, big 64-ounce Wawa thing. So we're going to have a very Philadelphia-centric episode today. Although he's not, I, I, you're not originally from Philly. You, you have roots in Southern California. But uh, uh, and by the way, joined here by Philly D. Philly, Philly D, how's it going, man? Uh, it's going awesome, Tony. Thank you so much for having me, man. This is, uh, I'm looking forward to this experience, my friend. Yeah, this is uh, it's cool getting a chance to talk to you. And uh, uh, Philadelphia is one of those towns that I have some weird affinity for, even though I it's like one of those towns I like to visit visiting, but I can never live in. Or at least it, maybe I could see myself living in the suburbs and, you know, kind of whether it's but it's just, there's no parking. I can't, I can't get around Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, you're you're not wrong there, my friend. Uh, yeah, I mean, to go back to answer your earlier question, correct. Um, so little background on me, I was actually born in Spain, raised in Southern California outside of a Mexican barrio, like outside of Los Angeles. So, I mean, I grew up being the white kid in my neighborhood. Um, but yeah, East, been, East L.A. Uh, well, so no, we were uh, we were like San Bernardino County. So we were okay. Uh, yeah, we you were a little bit out there. Yeah. Yeah, we were at the foothills of the mountains. So we were basically just like inland, more or less. But yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, I grew so I was born on basically like a, a ranch, like a little one acre ranch in Spain. Then we moved to the city basically in Cali and then we move out here to the East Coast and it's like very rural. So uh, this is where I'm like, I agree with you, bro. I, I don't, I enjoy going to Philly. However, not going to live there. Yeah. It's, it's not going to happen. It's uh, there, there's a lot going on, so you can be nearby and still call yourself Philadelphia, but it's you're not you don't have to live there. Um, but uh, for, first, before uh, we get to you know anything we want to talk about in this podcast, uh, let's get the plugs out. Like, what do you? What is exactly what you do? I guess your elevator pitch for the podcast. Uh, what is your platform? What do you do? Uh, just so we can get people interested, and uh, if they're listening to this, then they can shut my podcast off and listen to what you have going on. Oh, thanks, bro. Thanks. Yeah, but hey, we would throw the love around because uh, just like you, we we do the same thing. We're looking for raw, organic conversations, and the cool thing with that is my my co-host is actually my best friend of thirty years, and so him and I have been having these kind of conversations where they're just they're raw, they're organic. There is no propaganda or rhetoric, or we're trying to you know push a position. It's really just expressing yourself and then being heard and validated, and then somebody adds to it, and you just you keep the conversation rolling. And, you know, at this point, we've just kind of turned on the microphones because it's like originally I wanted to record our conversations because we're, we're hilarious. Like we're dads. So we got like corny, punny, you know, horrible dad jokes as well as movie quotes. So we just have a lot of back and forth with like good energy. And I wanted to record that to try to make like sketch comedy out of it. Lo and behold, as we started recording more and more, we just kind of looked at each other. It's like, dude, this, this is what it is. It's It's just us talking. And we're trying to promote that for not just us, but for everybody. So we always tell everybody, it's like, hey, th this is our gift, like an example. Just go out, have conversations, talk to each other, validate one another, just be a part of it, you know? And where can we find you guys? 
So our bigger thing is we're on YouTube. If you want to catch the 100% unedited, uh, you know, all video, but you can get us on iHeart, Spotify, Anchor, and Apple, all as I'm telling you. That's I M T E L L I N apostrophe. There's no G. It's not telling. We're telling. So I'm telling you. If you look that up, uh, as well as uh, I T Y Studios, that's the uh, the production company that we have. So. You said you're a dad and I see all the tattoos. It's really interesting. I was thinking about this when I was when I was a kid. You'd see every so often the dads like my dad had a couple of tattoos, but he was a he was a police officer and they were hidden and they were just he had two tattoos. And well, one of them is a classic story that uh, my mom still kind of regrets to this day <laughs> was he my dad has a Yosemite Sam tattoo on one arm that he got in the 70s. And then I think around 1990, I was a kid and he calls my mom and says, uh, Hey, uh, can you do me a favor? And she's like, what? He's like, is the Polish flag is the white on top of the red or the red on top of the white? So she told him the answer and she's like, why? He's like, Oh, I was just wondering, cause I'm getting a tattoo with that. And she's like, God damn it. I should have <laughs> told him the wrong one. So he has, it was just drunk and getting a tattoo. But in those days, yeah, you, maybe you got a couple of tattoos or you're a war veteran and uh, or you got your your best gal's name and then you married another gal. Uh, but nowadays, tattoos are so completely mainstream right now. There is no taboo with a tattoo. So now those tattoos you get when you're 18, 25. Now you're a dad. You're in your 40s, your 50s. And I, I mean, I, I like I'm looking at the ones on your arm right now. Those got to be, you know probably several years old now, right? Yeah. So, um, yes, I have. And, and the reason I say this, I think people who have a lot of tattoos have an interesting story to tell. Oh, uh, bro. I could, uh, to explain what my sleeves are is, uh, I mean, that's, that's a whole thing in and of itself, which I mean, I'm happy to tell, but yeah, it's, um, I do have that. I was 18, got a tattoo tattoo, which is currently being covered up with the rest of my <laughs> left sleeve. <laughs> Um, it was a design that I had. Uh, my friends took me to see a friend. He's halfway through, and basically they all now take that time to inform me that legally he's blind. Oh. Yeah, and I'm like, um, oh, okay. And, you know, they're getting a laugh out of it, but they continue on. They're like, no. So he's so colorblind that he legally can't drive because he can't see the difference between the red, yellow, or green lights. So it's like, okay. All right, Jesus, Lord, you guys gave me, like, you know, a heart attack on that. But yeah, no, I am. Um, this is why we don't have dogs drive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, so my um, my sleeves and my back are actually all one piece. So, I mean, from the first tattoo I got, which again, you know, I'm 18, so I got a tattoo tattoo because I'm cool. I got a tattoo. Oh, check me out. I was very fortunate to find my artist who's actually at this point, my my little sister. We've known each other for over 20 years. You know, she's just an amazing woman and an amazing artist. And because of that, I've, I've always just been put into this position where she's like, if you're going to get a tattoo, it's, it's got to mean something. She's like, she's always put it in my head. It's it's going to be there till the day your body dies. Like, you, you it's got to mean something. Mm -hmm. So from the from the get go, we just kind of started designing. And yeah, I mean, we're talking probably close to 15 or so years now that I've been working on my sleeves and my back, which again, are all one piece, which uh, my right side is uh, hell. My left side is heaven and my back is purgatory or earth or the in-between and my sleeves are color because they can be interpreted all different ways. You know, it's like 
because, you know, heaven is heaven and hell is hell. So it's like, it's all colored. It's all, you know, defined. Whereas my back is all gray wash because it's, it's open for that interpretation. You know, it is that in between. So there, there really isn't color to it because you're, you're not truly seeing difference. You're just, it's, you're a part of what is a collective, almost like the yin and yang. I also call it the, uh, the, the ego, the super ego, you know, there, my tattoos really are about who I am internally and i'm okay with externalizing it and showing the world that i'm i'm working on balance you know i've i've had the evil in my life i've had the good in my life and now i need to find that balance in between and you know so yeah that's the one thing about tattoos i i have tattoos but one thing that you hear is i think they said within the first year there's a i don't know who came up with this bullshit statistic but they said like 80 percent of people who get a tattoo within the first year they forget almost forget the meaning why they got it but i think everybody when they do sit down in the chair they go they go get the design done they send it to or they show whatever uh the artist or they pick out an artist on instagram now that's the big thing which i think is a great thing is you go through instagram go like no that person does cartoons this person does great faces this person you know uh is it does the watercolor which you know talk to any tattoo artist they can't stand doing the watercolor tattoos now but uh the the meaning of a tattoo it seems that a lot of people that it kind of turns into it goes from this is very sentimental every time i look down then others it's like yeah, it's just a cool design now at this point. So I think just like a song, like any type of art, whether you created it or you commissioned it, it it probably takes on different meaning as time goes on. Uh, where you, if you're a 20 year old who comes out with a hit song and it tops the billboard charts, well, you're still singing that when you're 65 I, and you made millions of dollars and you tour the world, that song probably Every night you have to play it, but it's still, it probably has to get some new meaning as opposed to when you were a struggling songwriter when you're 20 years old. So I'm assuming it's probably like that with tattoos, where if you got one when you're 18, but you're 50 now, it's like, okay, I'm not the same person, but it's evolved with me now. I mean, I can definitely agree to a lot of that for myself as well. Um, yeah, I mean, case in point, my first tattoo I ever got, I said I would never cover it up because it's the one that got me to want to get tattoos and be okay with externalizing my more internal thoughts. You know, because I mean, that's really what it is. If the way I, I, I would express it is the day I die, you know, if they lay me in a casket, butt naked, and you can just see all of the ink that's on me, it should tell you my life story. Mm-hmm. And that's what all of mine means to me. But yeah, again, the um, the original one, which I was like, I'm never going to cover that up. That's the one that's done it for me. 20 some years later, I'm like, nah, it's a piece of shit. It's got to go. <laughs> Just well, like my, my mom was always one of those where she said, I brought you into this world unmarked. And now it's- you've marked your body. And I'm like, well, you know, my brother has a birthmark on his uh, port wine stain on his neck. Uh, so he was kind of marked. So he should be the one getting the tattoos, right? If, if we're going to play that game. But hey, you know what? It's. Uh, I'm like, you're an artist, mom. Isn't, isn't a body a canvas? Now that didn't go over too well. <laughs> well, you got another one? <laughs> well, it's funny that you mentioned the uh, birthmarks. I'm actually in the middle of editing an episode that's coming out this week with uh, Artie Hoffman. I don't know if you know who he is. He's a, he's a comedian. So he's a comedian, but he's also a medium. So he's like smashed them together. He dropped knowledge that apparently this is the supposed information. So I don't know if it's true. This is what he said. If you have a birthmark on your body, that's supposedly where you were killed in your last life. Oh, well, goodness. Uh, so, so Mikhail Gorbachev, we know what happened to him then. Yep. Somebody took him out probably, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
that's weird. It's it's like those old wives' tales of whenever you get the chills, it's because somebody stepped over your grave. So, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it very much could be one of those things. I, I'm uh, I'm a big believer in in energies. You know, kind of like Tesla talks about energies, frequency, vibrations, and I mean science dictates this kind of information. But then you look at all the different religions or isms, and they also kind of dictate that same kind of information. And yet we can't agree upon it. And it's like we're all saying the same thing, but in different terms. It's, I don't. It, uh, doesn't it doesn't make sense? But I do very much work towards that idea where if it feels right, you know, if it's something that my intuition says, yes, I can, I can go with this, you know, then that's, that's, that's my jam at that point. But. And that makes for a good, when you do podcasting for storytelling, because not every podcast you just rip on, like, like there's so many different types of podcasts out there that some can comment on the news. Some can just turn the mic on and just talk for an hour and a half. And it, it, the storytelling makes for good conversations. And that's probably why you guys got into this. But not only do you have a podcast, but you have the platform too. How's that been nowadays where everybody and their cat has a podcast? So how do you, how do you manage? And I, and I say this almost rhetorically, like I'm asking myself this question too. Course, how do you manage the waters of a the podcasting universe where everybody seems to have one? How do you get it out there? How do you market it? How do you promote it? And what sets you apart from 10,000 others who might have a similar concept? Yeah, that's, um, I'll be honest, because uh, we've, we've been at this for over two years now. Um, you know, again, it started as just a joke where it's like, bro, I want to, I want to record our conversations. There's, there's some gold in here. You and I could be up on a stage, just, you know, it's some back and forth, like a, a good comedic duo. And it just, it didn't evolve to that. It just, it became this. So first two years, I mean, honestly, all right, so there, there's going to be a lot to, I mean, that was a big question. So, um, Long story short, two years of us being on YouTube, we were struggling to hit 10,000 views. Uh, in the past two weeks, we've swapped over to doing video, uh, picked up a publicist, uh, and started just getting a continuous guest list where we're now booked for like the next three months. Um, fast forward, it took us again, almost two years to try to just struggle for 10,000 hits. In the past two weeks, we've already had like 13, almost 14,000. Yeah. So, the, so the, but like, have you found that formula? Have you found something or is it a case of just continuing to put something out there and it's going to find an audience? I would say it's more of um, we've been over the, so I have a business background, but I also have a uh, psychology background. Uh, that's what my, uh, my education is in, as well as uh, what I do business-wise, you know, career money-wise is, is handling business, but from the mindset of people's as individuals, as well as collectives. So it gives me a, a grander understanding or a wider perspective of order, you know, in order to put all that together, which kind of just with, with me and my, my uh, host, uh, Gemini, because we've had these accepting conversations, at the core, this is what we do for our show. You know, that's why I said, again, this is, this is what I think has been setting us apart from everybody else. Because like you were saying, is there's so many out there, but these ones are talking about the news. These ones are pop culture. These are, you know, current events. These are comedian specific. I mean, there's a niche to it. We are, I mean, we just literally coined this phrase, my, uh, my host did, if you want to feel human, come see us. And yeah. it's, we just, we have such an open, honest, accepting platform for conversation that it doesn't matter who or what or where you've been, 
you know, the more interesting, the better. If you're out there right now and listening, you're like, nobody would want to listen to me. I'm nothing special. I guarantee you, you have at least one life experience that makes you different from other people. Not better, not worse, just different. And it's those differences that we need to celebrate and, you know, accept and validate because we all have human experiences. I mean, that's what we're here for is to have that human experience. And for us to not accept ourselves or others, I mean, that's just you're, you're diminishing this overall experience of life being a human. Yeah, that's uh, it, it, there's so many niche podcasts out there that that are fascinating and they get so many views. And I remember this in the day. So I've been uh, I, I started in radio when I when I was 18 and I was starting to do podcasting when I was 19. Well, I'm 34 now. And even though we weren't calling it podcasting, we were calling it archiving at the time. And uh, so, you know, you're talking about 2007, 2008. And what was fascinating was in those days, you were still dealing with more of a, you had to deal with variety in whether it's regular radio or even to a certain extent, internet radio, when we were streaming or using what was called Justin TV or whatever was popular in those days. And <laughs> you still kind of needed that little bit of a topic because you didn't want people, you didn't want to get too obscure. So like when Joe Rogan started talking about MMA and I'm talking about, this is Joe Rogan, 2009, he would talk MMA and a lot of people like, yeah, I like your comedy. I like when you guys banter about stuff, but I'm going to peace out with the MMA stuff. Well, then start an MMA podcast. So then he has a separate podcast where him and Eddie Bravo do some stuff. And then that really spawned this generation where to the point where my wife, listens to a podcast on, um, you know, a, a Boy Meets World, which is apparently a big podcast on the, the iHeart platform, but it's a Boy Meets World podcast where they have guest stars, they have some of the members of the show, and they'll go through every episode. And you say, like, who's going to listen to this? Well, kind of if you build it, they will come. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe if you did, a, I, I had a joke about this years ago. I said, I'm going to watch all 23 episodes of the Chevy Chase show when Chevy Chase had a late night show. I and it's, uh, it was, obviously it was terrible. Who would listen to that? There might be a couple of people. So it's about knowing who your audience is and what your mass appeal, what you can bring to the table. It's going to be different from a lot of other people and your point of view. So again, if you do a news podcast, are you or if you're commenting on something and you're conservative, what is going to set you apart from the Dennis Prager's, the Ben Shapiro's, the, uh, you know, at the time, Rush Limbaugh or Sean Hannity? And if you're uh, have a left wing point of view, what's going to be different than what the hosts on CNN or MSNBC would say? So what's going to set you apart? And that's the struggle for even to this day, a lot of people as we head into God only knows what the medium is going to look like in five years. Yeah, well, and so going back to what we what I was talking about, we we stepped into it and about, you know, within our first two years having crap viewership, we really understood who we were, you know, we as adults as humans growing, we started to come into our own more so. And, and our show is really just an extension of us. So as we kind of came into our own acceptance that we, we just accept everything. We, we kind of decided, I was like, dude, this, this is what we do. This is what makes us different from everybody else. This is why we can have anybody on our show. Because it doesn't matter if you're Joe Plummer or, you know, the A-list actor of the day or the biggest Twitter, you know, who it doesn't matter if you're, you know, bottom of the totem pole, top of the totem pole. 
doesn't matter how society sees you, you see everybody has a valid point and a valid experience as a human. And that's really what we chronicle is the conversations and the understandings of that, the growing with each other, you know, as stone sharpens stone or iron sharpens iron. So does, you know, one man sharpen another. We're firm believers in that. I mean, we have three core points that we came to uh, agreeance on a, a while ago our show has to have at least two of these three every single time is we have to be educational. We have to be entertaining and we have to support our community. And when we can actually click all three of those in a single set, you know, that's, that's when the magic really happens, you know? So when we get these local guests on where they get to shameless plug, but then we also get to have that human experience where we're educating ourselves as well as the listeners, but also just, pissing ourselves laughing because we do i mean i want to say we probably spend half the time sharing stories and the other half the time just literally you know side bursting rolling on the floor can't even be on the mic because we're just cracking up so hard and you know and there's there's plenty of education and community support and just it's you know it's you got to know who you are I think that's the bigger thing. So forget what you're doing, you know, business-wise with your show or whatever else. Once you really understand who you are, when you know what your why is, you know, Simon Sinek, great author, uh, really good economist type, he, he coined the phrase of, you know, know your why. Once you know what your why is, it can define all of your decisions. You know, why am I doing this? Well, you know, I want to promote this. Well, in order to do that, I have to do this. And so once you realize, hey, this is how I need to live my life, all of the questions, the answers just come to you because it has to fit your why. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sorry. I'm just distracted by the beer that's right in front because I, I'm doing dry January right now. What, what, what exactly? What am I looking at here? So, um, long story short, you're the first to hear this because uh, I've just finalized it. We just picked up a sponsor, uh, which is Round Guys Brewing out of Lansdale, PA. I'm actually their sales rep. Uh, the the owners are my friends. I've had a restaurant with them. But yeah, this is our number one selling beer, Liquid Swords. It's a double hazy imperial IPA at 9.6% alcohol. Mm. It's like a soft Vienna lager. So when you get somebody who's like, I'll never touch an IPA, they're the most horrible thing, blah, blah, they buy the crap out of this. This is our number one selling beer. And, what, and what's the one you're drinking there? This is classic girl. So, all right, we do musical references. So Liquid Swords is Jizza from Wu-Tang. It was his first album after being with Wu-Tang when they all did their solo careers on top of it. Uh, classic girl is Jane's Addiction. You know, we got like Beastie Boy beers, David Bowie beers, like all sorts of stuff. But yeah, this is a uh, a fruit style double hazy that has no fruit in it, but you get notes of uh, orange slice and tropical skittles. Okay, well, it, you know, yeah. you know, it's fascinating because we're talking about the world of podcasting, but it's the same in the brewery in that now everybody has. Remember, at one time a podcast, you couldn't tell somebody who's above the age of fifty what a podcast is. What's what <laughs> what what is that? Nowadays, they may not listen to them, but they at least know. Oh, it's a thing I get on my phone. Or whatever. And I'm not talking 50. I'm talking about 70 now. Let's progress with the age. And I kind of felt the same way with the brewery, the beer industry, because uh, I, I have delivered beer in the past. I would work with a distributor and we'd, you know, whether we'd deal with Miller Lite or um, wouldn't deal with Budweiser. It was a separate company, but we would deal with um delivering twisted tea, uh, the high noons and everything like that, that are the seltzers that are very popular. So, but this is this beer explosion in the last 15 years. I remember when in the 90s, my dad would get Sam Adams 
And that was like the gold standard of craft beer is like, you know, I, you know, I could get my Miller genuine draft or I'll have a butt ice because I saw the penguin with the doobie doobie do commercial. Remember those? <laughs> and oh, yeah, bro, hell yeah. <laughs> but it was like at one time, that's all you did. It was you just drank the beer that was available. And when you went to the local store, you went to the Wawa and you picked it up and there was, oh, OK, I'm just going to get a bud or whatever. And all of a sudden, in the last 15 years, this craft beer industry has taken off. And you're starting to see the the uh, it may a little bit of a decline in the Millers and the Buds, and you're starting to see this rise. And now to the point where it's not even so much that the main town, the New York City or the Chicago or the Philly or the Cleveland or whatever has a brewery. It's now your local downtown with a population of 5,000 has three breweries now. And it's their own brewer that's there behind. It's the, the guy who's pouring you actually created it in a keg in the back and uh, and has it for sale in the local store. So this whole thing has really taken off. And that's another thing I'm wondering as far as what, like the same with podcasting is where does the beer industry go? Because they all there. If you want to talk about an industry that jumps on trends, look at the, the seltzer industry the last four or five years. Right. Yeah, no, we um. so and this is why I associate myself with round guys. I've known them for for eight years. Uh, I came into their company as a consulting chef. So I had a small consulting firm. You know, I have a, a very diversified background of industries that I've been a part of for many you know decades at this point. So I have very eclectic knowledge in that stuff. So coming into their company, the one thing that's always been very consistent with them is something that's very core to me. Like I just said, those three things that we do for, for uh, our, our show is, you know, educating, entertaining, and, you know, community, community support. They have always been that, and that is their core as well. So it's very easy for me to get behind the brand because that's what we care about. So, I mean, the beer is an extension of that. So, I mean, all of our beers, are like, dude, I'm not a beer guy. I'm, I'm a tequila dude. I love drinking Patron. Like, I drink Patron like it's nothing. I love that stuff. So, for me to be able to say, yeah, I like your beer, not only that, but say, yeah, I actually drink your beer on the regular, huge. Nobody's ever been able to do that other than this company. And I think- did that How long did that take from the, I'm, I'm assuming the first time you tried an IPA, it's like, oh, it's bitter. And then you're like, okay, I could taste the different, the, I could taste the the grapefruit or whatever it is. Like, did it take a little bit to jump on board? So I have, you know, again, I'm a chef. Like that was, uh, I got into the uh, the hospitality industry at 13, bussing tables. And then I worked my way into the kitchen, became a prep chef and, you know, pizza chef and, you know, all these different things. So I've always had a palate. My big thing was these these craft beers, there's always been a very large percentage of almost like we're trying to outdo one another. And they just, they overwhelm you with so many things. So my mouth is just like, holy crap, it's this and that. And, you know, there's never been anything where it's like, oh, okay, it, this, there's balance. There's a little of this. And, you know, the, the beers that can take you on a journey, just like a good scotch or a good wine, there's going to be an entrance to it. There's going to be the middle section that just gets, you know, gets your palate, all that happiness. And then, a, you know, a finish of some sort, a, a liquid beverage should take your mouth on a journey. It really mm -hmm. should. So, yeah, when I first started trying them, to me, I'm just like, I, I don't, I don't get it because it's, it's either just all hop or all, you know, malt or there's something about it that you're just, you're slapping me in the face with it. And I'm like, I, I can't get down with that. You know, so uh, I was with this company as a chef and my guy who's the brewmaster, he's the main owner. 
same thing. He's got a palate. He's a six-time Great American Beer Fest judge. Dude has a palate. It's refined. He knows how to use it. So being a chef and my, you know, having a palate myself, he was always like really super proud to be like, bro, you gotta try this beer. So like every week he had a new brew and he's like, I need you to go try it. And every week I'm looking at him I'm like, bro, I don't like beer. Probably not going to enjoy it. I'm like, I don't know why you're asking me to try these every single week. We'll do literally week after week after week. It took about three months to the point where finally he was just like, hey, I want you to go try. Normally I'm just going to be like, no, I'm not. Gonna. I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to go try it. I'm probably going to like it because every single beer he made for every single week for those months, I liked them. And I mean, you know, I, you know, he got me drinking Saison's most of the time when I would have a Saison, I'm like, it's too pucker. You know, it has like almost that sour tart kind of component or too much champagne where it's like overly bright. And, you know, he just, he's like, no, this is a Saison. This is how they're really supposed to be done. And it's just like, holy crap. Yeah, that's us, man. That's the, the front of the store. That's uh, the pub. Yeah. Well, 11 years we've been there, man. It is a beautiful thing. That's amazing. Once again, well, well of course, the Philly cheesesteak. Uh, yeah, we uh, we actually just got named like third best cheesesteak in the area and not just like our area, but for the Philly area. Really? So did that did that rank above like Jim's and Tony Luke's and all those places? Well, in a sense, because you uh, what we were doing was a local poll. So it's like a local newspaper. So obviously, you know, more of the local cats like we are are going to get, you know, picked up or whatever else. But yeah, it was. um we're, we're also, if you ask the local people, they're like, yeah, no, if you, if you want a cheesesteak, you go, you go to round guys. Cause it's just, that's, that's what you're going to get. Um, oh yeah. We make tons of beers, tons of drinks. We actually even make our own. So you said earlier, seltzer, our brewmaster kind of got told, Hey, you got to cut the carbs, cut the alcohol, the sugar, all that kind of stuff, you know, health reason things. So he goes to his doc and he's like, well, what, what if I made myself a seltzer? Well, the doc didn't say no. He didn't say yes either, but he didn't say no. So he was like, all right, cool. Well, he made a seltzer and dude, I hate seltzers. I think they're like one of the dumbest things in the world. I actually like ours. They're good. It's crazy. Yeah. I am not, I've, I've done the seltzer here. Here's when I'll drink a seltzer. If somebody gave it to me, <laughs> if it's the only thing available, or if it's the last thing I'm drinking that night, that's about it. Like, I'm not going out of my way to sit down. Like, it's amazing to see people go sit at a bar and sit, like a brewery and get a, a white claw. What are you doing? You know, <sighs> like, I, I understand you may not like beer, but my God, but that, that's what, what, what it turned into is that this is the new generation of Zima. It's the new craze of like, you know, get the Jolly Ranchers. We're all having Zima tonight. And it's like, oh, I, I don't like beer, but I, I want to get drunk. But I also don't want to put the pounds on. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that that's what tequila's for. Oh, bro. Yeah, you said Zima and then you said tequila. You got my attention. Yeah, grew up with the Zima. Um, yeah, eight years old. That was the only kind of stuff that was, that was what everybody was drinking. So, of course, we drank it because, you know, that's what we get our hands on. But, yeah, dude, oh, we, we make so many. We make everything. And the cool thing is, is we do the... Um, we do the, the, the musical references. So we have tons of awesome ref references. Yeah. The last waltz from the band. Oh, you do okay. Yeah. Order. Yeah. If you like coffee, I have friends that literally take that. It has such a coffee tone for Monday morning. They'll do uh, that beer with a little bit of cream, sugar, and ice. And they have an iced coffee at 10% alcohol. And nobody knows that I, uh, that, I mean, I'm not a coffee guy. Like, I don't drink coffee and I don't like the coffee beers, but I, my wife does. She likes the coffee beer with the peanut butter and all that, the porters and stuff. I'm not a stout guy. I'm not a porter guy, but, you know, 
You know, it's, it, but I, I see why people like, and especially in different areas. And, you know, I, I noticed this, and since you're from California, uh, how much different the beer industry is out there as opposed to where it is in the Northeast, where we are, is that, you know, where I'm at is, yeah, there's a lot more porters that are being created. There's a lot more um, I, I, German loggers, I guess, in certain areas, too, depending on the ethnic population. But then you go out in the West Coast, it's a lot of lager. I mean, it's a it's lager central out on, you know, in Southern California. I was down I was out in Oceanside and I went to a brewery and I'm like, do you guys have IPA at all? Like there's like one on tap and it's like 17 different loggers. Like this one's a light lager. This one's a half. And like, what are you talking about? I just I want to appear right now. Yeah, if you uh, if you head a little bit more south of San Diego, the uh, IPA uh, pops up a little bit more heavily. Uh, you'll get the local breweries down there because I mean, I was actually just out there uh, for Thanksgiving. Uh, my kid is in college out there. All my family's out there other than my parents and I. We live on the East Coast. Well, that's where Stone and Lagunitas is from, right? Correct. Yeah, we actually uh, popped through Stone. They were super packed and we said F this and uh, we went to uh, Imperial Beach Tavern instead and had dope tacos and margaritas. I it think was- I've been there. I've been like that's the, the Imperial Beach is the furthest beach fr- until you get to, to Tijuana, right? Yeah, you, you can see Tijuana from a, anywhere you stand, you're like, you see that over there? Yeah, Tijuana. Yeah, no, uh, as well. I was, as- I was there because I had a Tony Gwynn 394 ale whatever it's called like he he had his own beer i guess and his son is uh, like one of the brewers i guess uh, at his uh, the the brewery that's down in san diego but uh yeah i was at that imperial beach tavern i'm like i may as well try the local flair what can you recommend and i and it was actually the year that tony tony gwynn died so i'm like well i gotta honor tony gwynn's 2014 and uh and have to have it but yeah this the, the craft beer industry is just it's a it's a crazy industry that I thought maybe 10 years ago uh, I-, I wanted to be a part of, and I don't know if I want to do this anymore. It's like I, th- that look, I've, I've div- dove head first into the podcasting thing. I've done radio. I've done all that. I don't know if I can dive into the craft beer industry right now. Maybe, maybe bourbon, maybe tequila, maybe a, like a vodka or some other distillery, but I don't know about beer and it's my, and I'm a beer guy, but it just seems so competitive out there that I don't even know if I want to try that. Yeah, and I mean, to me, everything is very much like that. Um, so all industries, as as at least you know, for me, when I when I were to do any kind of research, look into, or you know, just try to understand it, because I mean, I just I love learning things. I, I my brain is very much about pattern recognition. It's like you know, one of my innate abilities. It's just you know my gift that I was given. And so as I do this, the, the one thing I see is, you know, everything seems to have those same exact kind of patterns where it might be, you know, a much smaller grouping. But if you look at the numbers or the percentages, if you were able to quantize the, you know, quantize the data, you, you would see that there's that kind of consistency where it doesn't matter what you're doing. It's, you know, there's there's just enough of them that it's like, you know, how do you stand out? You know, what what makes you different, you know, and that's that's why I very much love this company partnered with them to have a restaurant you know we're we're partnering sponsorship now is because we actually give a shit you know that's why i i feel i don't care who you are what you are what you do just give a shit and you'll be good to go yeah i mean you know and people are drawn to others when they see that you have a passion for something that's one thing i can always pass on to people yeah agreed i mean like you were saying earlier man when you're telling a story the 
the more you believe that your story is just something amazing to you, the more your audience is going to be drawn because you're going to have so much more passion inside of you that you're just, you're going to be almost overly dramatic, but without being, you know, like kitschy about it. So it's, you just, you, you really verge upon that line of, Ooh, I'm trying to sell it where instead it's like, dude, I just, this is really dope to me, you know? And I'm, I'm the type that anything in my life at this point, if I'm going to do it, I need to be able to be passionate about it. So if I ever talk about it, I don't care if it's golf, aquaponics, making tacos, you know, beer, tequila, my show. Dude, if I'm going to talk about it, it means something to me. And yeah, I just, there's going to be amazing stories in that because I feel that they're amazing to me and they, they mean something. And I've learned from it, you know, I've grown. So I've, since you've been on both coasts now, I've found this interesting because I, I love traveling as well as it, you know being whether it's California I've been I've been to Philly a number of times uh probably going to go back again at some point do some stand-up uh I have a buddy of mine who lives out there and uh he wants to get me to, to get me on a couple of shows out there but uh he uh what's interesting was in the pre-social media days is how these different towns were like had like vast differences and I don't know if I see that anymore. It almost seems like a lot of these areas, because of the culture of craft beer industries and, you know, like uh, upstart taco joints and restaurants, that it seems like we're entering a, a time where the Asheville, North Carolinas, the um, the Austin, Texas, some of those strange kind of oddball cities like the, the Portland, Oregons, have kind of infiltrated the middle of the country. And you can go, like I said, to... That's the place down the street that has 10,000 people in its population and the people there, they've got the man buns, they've got the beards and the sleeves of tattoos. And like, are you from Portland? It's like, no, I'm, you know, I'm from uh, Upper Darby. It's like, really? Okay. Well, <laughs> interesting. So I, that's what I'm kind of concerned is like the uh, homogeneity, I guess, if that's a, a word. I think you oh. conjugated it well enough. I know what you mean. Yeah. I, I, well, I conjugate oh, sometimes three times a day, depending on what you're, you know. Anyway. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, and I was thinking about this uh, recently because of the the gambling that's that's legalized here in Ohio is the FanDuel and the DraftKings is that you don't have to go to Vegas anymore. You don't have to go to Atlantic City anymore if you want to go gamble. Your town probably has a casino and probably in the last decade or so gambling has been legalized in your state. And now sports books where I, I see it from my coworkers at my day job, they're all sitting there on their phones. They're not on social media. They're placing bets on parlays, you know, it's like, like at work. And it's just, that's how it is. So I'm always wondering how, like, and the, and the bigger point that I'm trying to get to right now is uh, how we can kind of preserve our culture and have San Diego is much different than Philadelphia. But if you look in certain areas, it may as well be the same town because it's a, it's a lot of how we as a culture have kind of just had that homogenous feeling where it, it doesn't matter where you're going to be. Everybody can just be this. And I kind of like the ethnic feel of going to uh, like you, there's a, a Polish village in Buffalo or you get in a, in a German village in such and such town and you go up to Detroit and there's a, a an Irish area, Cork town. And it just seems that that's kind of gone away. And I, I wanted to get your thoughts on that because you've been bi-coastal now, you've been all across the country. How much have you seen that change? And were you surprised that when you eventually made it over to Philadelphia and to Pennsylvania, 
uh, was it much of a culture shock to you? Joe, all right. Um, yeah, first off, uh, going back to like you said, the craft beer, it seems like every spot you go locally, there's just, you know, there's there's all these different local spots. And, you know, the guy who was brewing it or the person who was brewing it, you know, well, is the same person that's pouring it. So if you go back to the uh, the olden days and still pretty much a little bit of now uh, over into Europe and stuff, when you would travel, the only beer you were going to get or the only wine you were going to get was from that region. So when you traveled, it was only local. So you didn't have to search out the local spots. Everything was local. So, you know, as you're saying, yeah, I agree. There's, there is this, uh, you know, homogenous idea of just melding everything. However, with the craft, you know, specifically and do bourbons, um, you know, whiskeys, beers, wine, seltzers, all of it. When you go to these areas, having this kind of component, this localized where it's like, yeah, you could get us here, there, wherever for the most part, but you're here and this is one of our big things. It's, you know, it, it kind of still gives that localized, super unique aspect. So even though, you know, there's, you know, a KFC and a McDonald's and a Starbucks and all of these places, there's still this congruent idea of, you know, uh, capitalism or corporatism or whatever. You, you can still get this hyper localized aspect when it comes to artisanal, you know, liquids and foods at this point, which I think is great because I mean, yeah, I'm, if I go anywhere, whether I've been there before or not, you know, first thing I want to do is I talk to the locals. Hey, where do you guys go? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not going to ask the, the, the concierge like, Oh, where's the good place? Oh, you're going to, no, 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 no. Don't tell me where you're sending everybody else. Where do you all well, go? there's Pat's or there's Gino's. Which one you want to go to? It's like, no, no, I want the give me the real Philly cheesesteak. If you really want, if I want to go there, I'm not just going to. Oh, because Gino's has the neon signs and Pat, you know, uh, St- Stallone got a cheesesteak in 1976. It's like, no, no g- give me the real stuff. Because <laughs> yeah, you got like Steve's and Jim's and so many more. And that's just in Philly, you know. And like I said, you know, you get outside into the suburbs where, you know, we're at round guys at the pub and we have one of the best cheesesteaks in the area. I mean, it's it, it's rivaling that of what is, you know, in the city, but we're not commercialized. We're, we give a shit. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I very much enjoy and I've definitely seen because, I mean, I've been at this point in my life, I've been to uh, three different continents, like seven or eight countries, shit tons of islands. So, I mean, I've I very much enjoy the local culture. When I go somewhere, it's like, yeah, I want to, I want to hang out with you all. What do you guys do on Saturday night? Cool. Let's go do that shit. So I I think that there's still very much a localized component of that nature when it comes to food and drink. So no matter where you go, it it can be as consistent, you know, whether you go to Denver, Colorado, or freaking, you know, somewhere in North Dakota, the cities are all going to feel the same, but there's still that potential for that localized talent. So I think having, you know, craft, again, not even beer, you could be bourbon, you know, wine, seltzers, having craft is just, it, it, it really does accentuate your local economy and your local community. And just, it's a good thing. Yeah. And, and you can get drunk too. Absolutely. <laughs> Even though I'm not, I'm doing, like I said, I'm doing the dry January and uh, not, not completely. I, I drank a little bit into January, but uh, I realized how much I, it, I was trying to figure out why I wasn't losing weight for a while. And then I'm like, oh no, I can lose weight. It's just the drinking. I like to drink. I like alcohol. 
I like fast food. I like, uh, you know, give me a good fast food burger and fries and, and a craft beer. And you go, oh, so that's where the extra 10 pounds went. I see. And then, you know, you keep it off. But, you know, at some point I'll I'll uh, I'll be back and back at it and then getting a a, a, fill, a chicken filly over at Wawa when I'm on the East Coast again. But uh, now this is a, this is a great, great conversation here. And uh, once again, uh, get the plugs out. Where can we listen to you? And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to talk to you again sometime down the road. Well, yes. Yeah, so before I plug, uh, going to your point, you're going to be on the East Coast soon, bro. Yes. If you're close enough, please, by all means, we love having in-studio guests. I'm a chef, so I cook for everybody. It's very much going to Abuelita's house. It's like you're going to see your grandmother, and, you know, she's cooking for you. She's made it super homey, you know, whatever you want to drink. You know, you get the good chair, like all that stuff. And you're out here, bro. We're going to. Okay. Let's make this happen. Yeah, I got your number. I got I, I got all that. Well, next time I'm out that way, and like I said, I'm trying to uh, – head that way although i think it's it, it's eagles time right now so there's i like i know a lot of comics who are in that area like uh some friends of mine who do do a room in vineland in new jersey and it was right around the time when the eagles were still undefeated and the phillies were in the world series and they're like yeah we can't do a show right now because it's just the, nobody will the, show up philly's like title town right now even though the, the phillies didn't win the championship but it was like Everything was going on in Philly that they're like, yeah, there's no point in doing a show right now. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, dude, for real. Uh, when you make it out this way. Yeah. Let's because uh, even if we don't do something show wise, bro, let's just hang out. Let's have some beards. Let's, you know, shoot the shit. I got some cats out here I can introduce you to. So, I mean, you know, I'm, I, we love being able to throw the love around. And that's the great thing about the show that we do is making all these connections we don't get to just support our community we get to support multiple communities so we're i mean we're really starting to we used to be hyper localized to our area in the philly spot and i mean we're really starting to spread between our internet radio station which i actually just partnered with uh the owner of that which is a friend of mine so i'm now an owner of an internet radio station um, but we've, we've been expanding from this hyper-localized, you know, Philly area to, we, we have people that listen to us in Czechoslovakia, Sri Lanka, Australia, you know, Finland, like it's crazy the kind of reach you can get with all this stuff. But yeah, you can, um, so I'm telling you, I am, you know, apostrophe, I am T-E-L-L-I-N apostrophe Y-O-U. I'm telling you, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor, um, Apple Podcasts, as well as, again, YouTube, you get all 100% unedited, uncut, end-to-end, video, audio, everything. So we truncate all of our stuff to a radio edit because we're also on directionsandmusic.org. That's the uh, the radio station that uh, I'm, I'm now an owner of. Um, but that gives us a worldwide platform of just audio truncated into a one-hour platform. If you want that 120 minutes or because we'll do an hour, hour and a half, two hours, but we have to cut it down for all, you know, radio edit. So when we have that full uncut YouTube, I'm telling you, we just we pump it out like that, you know. But again, we, we promote everybody. So when we do our shows, we don't just have our sponsors. I'm putting all my people on blast and I'm pumping it out to all my cats. I mean, I got you know Midwest, uh, East Coast, West Coast, Northern, Southern. It doesn't matter. Like we just we're, we're trying to expand the globe to having dope ass conversations, loving yourself. We finish every show with the same statement. Be good to yourself. Be good to everything else. That means to be internalized good to you and then externally make it all good as well. All right. Well, I again, I'm looking forward to I, I prefer the in-studio guests. That's what bothered me during COVID is that 
everything got so normalized to do Zoom stuff. And yeah, I get it. If we're on the other side of the country, it's one thing, but like you could have your next door neighbor on. It's like, hi, uh, well, we're on Zoom. Hey, but put, t- turn your camera on. You're on mute. You're muted. I'm like, no, c- how about you come over? So I, I was preferred, especially in my years of working in radio, it was nice having somebody who was in studio and you could talk face to face and have a conversation as opposed to somebody who has poor internet quality or a bad, uh, or they're, they're, they have their uh, their AirPods that aren't charged properly or they're <laughs> like, we, we can't hear you. And then the, the volume goes down and you're like, you know what? Let's just, let's do this in person. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going to be, I'm going to be back out there pretty soon to try and do some shows and uh, uh, you, spread, spread the word and uh, you know, and drink some good craft beer on the uh, Eastern part of Pennsylvania. I'm looking forward to it. Well, yeah, that's the thing, bro. If you come in house, not only do you get our local craft, which by the way, just because we picked up the sponsorship, you didn't get to take part in this. Um, part of our sponsorship is we're going to be sending this beer out to our guests before we even do our show so that we oh. can all actually drink together. Well, yeah, that, so- that sounds good to me. I'll, I, and I'll make sure I go out to the brewery and uh, say, uh, yeah, can I get a Bud Light? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, bro. Again, into, yeah, if you come into town, uh, I will take you to the brewery. I'll get you a full tour. I will give you the pub. The, I mean, do I will? Yeah, I'll treat you like a queen, my friend. Yeah, my my wife does the she does the flights, but I, I'm fine with having like uh, full size beers as my flight. Usually, they're like, "What do you have? Uh, four or five in a flight?" And I'm like, uh, "Oh, well, we have five. And they're like, "Okay, I'll have five full beers then." <laughs> Gee, I wonder why I had to stop for a little bit. Right. I didn't have to. I just wanted to. So, hey, uh, Philly D, thanks so much for doing this. And I uh, look forward to being on your show and uh, you know, hopefully be out on your side of the country as well pretty soon. But uh, yeah, go go check out the show. I'm telling you. Um, and uh, you guys do some pretty good work and or just a re- really good work. And uh, I'm uh, again, it's great talking to you. Great seeing you in face to face here. Yeah, uh, and the extension was yeah. Not only will you get the craft beer, the the tour, I have I have Patron, bro. We pour the tequila heavy around here, so we'll we'll have tacos, tequila, all that good stuff. And yeah, and thanks for having me on. This has been an absolute delight. And, uh, and by the way, we all know that good tequila and good vodka does not give you the hangover that the cheap stuff does. If you're getting the if you're getting the uh, what was it the uh, what am I the, what's the vodka I'm thinking of like the cheap plastic stuff where it's like a a gallon jug for like 4 bucks at the grocery store. That oh, stuff oh. will give you a hangover for 3 days. And yeah, it's I because can't. it's so cheap uh oh. you know it like cheap cheaply made and cheaply sold too. When you get the good stuff, that's not going to give you the hangover that you think you're going to get. Oh, yeah. When I tell people I drink tequila, they're like, oh, I don't drink tequila. I'm like, I'm going to stop you there. What I heard was I don't like shitty mezcal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You had, OK, we get it. You had a bad 21st birthday. <laughs> That's about it. Jose Cuervo is not tequila, bro. Just because it says it on the bottle does not mean it is. Just because it's gold doesn't mean that it's natural coloring. No. Hard pass. Well, it's great talking to you. And uh, yeah, let's talk soon. Yeah, absolutely, brother. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, and, you know, hey, man, be good to yourself. Be good to everything else, brother. I appreciate